Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Ribbon. Before we get to this week's episode, Pam, let's talk to our listeners about an important uh, giving opportunity that's happening right now. You know, there this time of the year, it's a, we always look for places to give um, right. and make an impact in our community. And one of the great things that Amarillo has is um, something called Panhandle Gives. Oh, yeah. And that started yesterday, November 21st, goes through the 29th. Um, and it's a cool way for people to donate to our organization. It is. And, you know, you talk about looking for places to give money and donate. Um, sometimes that becomes um, important because it's the end of the year and maybe they're looking for a tax write off. Right. And so this is a great opportunity. So let's talk about what that means. Right. And, you know, sometimes it's I mean, I'm sure they're listening. Well, why can't I just go to your donate page? Right. Yeah. Why is that so important? To That's go to right. Panhandlegives.org. Because we have partnered with the Emerald Area Foundation and countless other uh, regional and local nonprofits to uh, come together. And there's this cool thing called an amplification fund. And so when someone gives and they, they go to the website, panhandlegives.org, again, that's panhandlegives.org, you'll select Harrington Cancer and Health Foundation. And why are they selecting that? Because that's our foundation that oversees the 24 Hours in the Canyon and the Cancer Survivorship Center. So it's important to choose Harrington Cancer and Health Foundation because with your donation, it can be amplified uh, at the very end once the, all the, do the donations are tallied. If we receive a certain level, then it gets amplified, which means we get more money, Pam. Hey, we like that. <laughs> so we can offer classes for how much? Uh, for free. Yeah. 100% free. So when you make a donation uh, to Harrington Cancer and Health Foundation through Panhandle Gives, as you said, started yesterday, runs through the 29th of November, uh, your gift will make an impact through their amplification fund and allow us to continue our mission to providing resources and doing things for those and reducing the burden of cancer. So that's how it's so important. Yes. Yeah, so what's the website again? Panhandlegives.org. And it again runs through November 21st through 29th and you choose Harrington Cancer and Health Foundation. And if you choose to do that, we will greatly appreciate the donation and will make a difference in our community. It will. Absolutely. Now let's get to this week's episode of Beyond the Ribbon. Hey everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Beyond the Ribbon. My name is Ryan Parnell and as always, I'm joined by my co-host and oncology nurse, Pam McMillan. Ryan, I can't believe it's another episode. It is. And I have to tell you, Pam, I've really uh, enjoyed getting ready for this one. I know. Um, one thing about the Survivorship Center that I really enjoy is hearing people's stories. Um, every story is so unique and every cancer journey is so unique. And so when we have a new survivor come in, we get to hear their story. Yeah, it's it's kind of like we've talked about several times on the podcast. No two treatments are the same. No. No two uh, journeys through, you know, some have chemo, some have radiation, some just have surgery, some do, you know, it's all totally individual. And that's what we're looking forward to today. Right. And that's why we consider everybody a survivor from the day of diagnosis. That's right. From the moment of diagnosis, um, whether you really... Uh, agree with that or not, that's okay. Um, it's just one of those kind of crazy labels. And we want you to know, we always have resources for you. Yes. So let's jump lots in. Of resources. Lots, <laughs> lots, lots, lots. And I'm sure some of those will probably come out during the podcast, but let's jump in today. We're super excited to have uh, Michelle Black joining us. Michelle, how are you? I'm good. How are y'all? Doing great. Thank you for joining us on our podcast. 
let's just start with kind of the typical first question, right? So what type of cancer and that were you diagnosed with and what year were you diagnosed? It has not been even a year yet. Uh, this coming January will be one year. So in January, I was diagnosed with stage four lung mm-hmm. cancer. And um, I went home that afternoon from the hospital because I couldn't breathe for a while. Was diagnosed, went home. The next day I went back to school. I teach physical education at an elementary school here in Amarillo. And how did you set your mind to going into work the next day, knowing that you had this heavy news? I, um, I received the news, but somehow it seemed like that's not me. It was like they were telling someone beside me, and I needed a normal day, my normal day. So I got up, went to school. My family was a little disturbed, not knowing, wait a minute, Mom, you're sick. You need to be home. But I needed a normal day, and I needed a day to wrap my head around it and um, get my guns in my my holster and my mm-hmm. pistols ready mm-hmm. to fight. So you, you said you went to the... M- hospital yes so this was not something obviously you had been struggling with and then you finally got the diagnosis i'm assuming from that you had problems breathing you went to the hospital and and that's how you were diagnosed there it was you know we oftentimes hear survivors say um they heard the words you have cancer and it's like charlie brown the want 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 because it goes in one ear and out the other Mm -hmm. sounds like kind of happened but you just move forward that was a gut punch. It was deep. Um, I think about it like um, deep kind of calls deep. And when I'm, what I mean by that is um, because of the gut punch, stage four is almost like a death sentence. And it felt like it to me. But I thought, no, um, I'm not going to receive that. I'm a Christian. I know the Lord. And with a miracle needed at that point, I began digging deep into the word, the Bible. What does he say about healing? Who is he? Is he really a miracle worker? I need that now because stage four is not a light diagnosis. And it was a gut punch. And I have things to do. And things to accomplish, family to love, and grandkids to watch grow up. And I was not going to sit down. And kids at your school that need you. Absolutely. I love children. That's why I'm there. And I'm sure they love you, too. Well, we we have a little <laughs> we have a little fun, yes. <laughs> hey, that's good. So um, in your journey, although it's been a short one so far, mm-hmm. um, what is something that you would like to share with other survivors that you've learned? I think I've learned that people around you care more if you open up. If you begins to pull together, our community pull together, there are people I got letters from, well, all over the country, people I did not know their names. The message, it was like an arrow out of a, out of a, I don't know. It things shot out from right here and penetrated churches, penetrated communities. I have more Bible blankets than you can shake a stick at. 
Christian um, churches here in Amarillo responded to me, gathered around me. It didn't matter if they went to my church. It didn't matter denomination. This community responded to my need. And so I felt that support. And when you feel that support, it's like, I, I don't want to let them down. I'm going to give it my all. And I have those days mm-hmm. when my all is all I have. And I go home from school and I collapse. And sure. it's like I'm sitting down and I'm not getting back up. But those are also those times where I, I understand that people around will help if you'll open up and let them in. You know, as someone that's not um, been diagnosed, I think we as caregivers do things with the best intentions. Um, But Ryan and I have learned that um, sometimes we don't always say the right thing or do the right thing. And so I'm glad that you told us, um, you know, listen to people. Mm-hmm. Listen to their stories. Let mm-hmm. them open yeah. up. Yeah. Be that safe place. And I think part of that, too, that's come up in our podcast several times is um, allow people to step in and help you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I'm getting from from mm-hmm. you, Michelle, is that they're they're willing to come in and help if you're willing to allow them and and let them do something in terms of what you at, they're asking for. It it becomes almost like a community antibiotic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, uh, for lack oh, of a, a for lack of another word, that <laughs> that's just perfect. that's what it feels like because if your mind and your spirit says I can do this, and you have support with the Lord, there's everything is possible. Yeah, and so a diagnosis simply says something's wrong, and you need it fixed, and you need someone to help you fix it. It's true, but go get it done. Get it done because nothing is impossible. That's right. That's right. Well, my next question is, is probably one that we just kind of halfway answered, but Mm -hmm. is there, is there one resource that you would say that helped me the most or has helped me the most? I think my faith in the Lord, because, um, I have known him for many, many years. I read his word almost daily. I have a good support system there, but I think my, my strongest supporter is my husband. Yeah. When the Bible says, wash your wife with the water, the word, he did that. He read me often healing scriptures from the word. It washed me. It kept out that negative when your body is screaming something different. But the word says, and your husband and those around you say, no, this is God's truth. We're going to lean in. We're going to dig deep. We're going to stay the course. And when you can't, we will. Yeah. That matters. That mattered to me because I still lean on their strength. And that kind of answers the next question. <laughs> oh, you're just, we're on a roll. No. Hey, you know, um, you can have multiple answers or one answer for multiple questions. Um, when you were first diagnosed, what was something someone said to you that really comforted you? I have a brother-in-law who um, came to the hospital. I didn't even get told by my own doctor at the hospital 
that I had stage four. I had a side nurse come in and say, okay, this is what we're going to do since you've been diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. And my husband was with me, never left my side. But I looked at them and thought, what did you say? My brother-in-law's very precious. He was born on the same day as I am. We share birthdays. But he came in to the rescue when my husband and I were both gut-punched by not even a set-up nicely, neatly little presentation of my diagnosis. And said, no, you're not alone. You can do this. And I'm here. And she's here. And he's here. And we are here. And they are there. And begin listing off that community of people who pray for me, who call to encourage, Mm -hmm. who pick me up, who bring a meal by, who do whatever. Because even with uh, my husband, Uh, That was a lot for both of us to take in. So meals and things like that. I had an an empty dester. All of my four children are grown and married. But uh, just to have someone come in and break the silence in the home. Yeah. A meal was one thing. To break the silence was something else. Because silence, your mind begins to wander. Sure does. And to pull captive those thoughts as you can let your mind wander was very important. I'm not going to let my mind run. That's not me. We're going to fight. And I've kind of a fighter mentality anyway. (laughs) I sense that. (laughs) Our listeners are probably going, oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So do you want to give a shout out to your brother-in-law? Bill Black. Bill Black. Yes. He was right, right where he needed to be at the right time. Yes. Yes. So for our listeners, I'm sure they're wondering, how are you today? I am... Wonderful. I have comments constantly from my colleagues at work. Michelle, are you are you doing okay? You look are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and I want to say, uh, yes, I'm sure. Yes, you saw it, but I'm great. I don't accept that diagnosis. And after that first PET scan, after I was diagnosed, 14 tumors disappeared and the root was much, much less. And I've got another PET scan in here in about two weeks. And I'm, um, there are all kinds of things going on in your body and your body wants to scream, but you said, no, no, God's word says this. And I'm going to continue in that healing process because I'm determined to show all those around me that supported me that yes, Jesus is alive and he does touch and he does heal. Touch yeah. me. Yeah. Touch me. Because when you're gut punched with six weeks of life, you don't walk out of there very easy. Yeah. And so well, here I am. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still here. Well, if I hadn't known you before this, I would have never guessed that you had that diagnosis. Oh, I love to hear that. Right. Yeah. Good. Yeah. You, Yay. Oh, yeah. You're right. <laughs> and I, I thank you for... Um, sharing your story for also, I think, um, leaving a, um, really upbeat and positive Mm -hmm. example for our listeners to, to take home. Absolutely. So hope hope is everything and a fighter mentality and a good attitude toward life. There's lots of life to live. 
Yes, yes, there is. is. There is. Thank you, Michelle. Uh huh. Thank, Thank you for sharing you. with us today. I appreciate it, Pam. Our next guest is one that uh, I remember her first time here coming to the Survivorship Center. And uh, I hope that comes out in the story. No pressure, but uh, we're super excited to have Maddie Anthony joining us. I think we both remember that day. I know. I know. Um, I'm not here often. No. Um, and, and, and when there's, especially when this type of situation happens, but I just happened to be here and I think it was a, a perfect time for me to be here and I enjoyed every minute of it and you have just flourished and, and done a lot for the foundation. And so I thank you for that, but Maddie, thank you for joining us. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm just so excited to be here. Um, yeah, whenever I got that email that y'all were opening it up for survivorships to share their story, I just thought that was such a great idea and I wanted to be a part of it. So thank you. Well, and I just want our listeners to know too, Pam, I think we need to say this, that Maddie is a first. Um, she was the most excited um, and yeah. thrilled to have the microphone <laughs> and the headphones. Not everybody likes to no, talk like yeah. not everybody, everybody looks at it usually and freaks out like, oh my gosh. So Maddie, tell us about uh, what type of cancer and when you were diagnosed. Yes. So I was diagnosed... September 25th, 2020, with stage three Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is a type of blood cancer. It's the most rare type of um, blood cancer, so I'm special, but mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's also the most treatable, which I'm thankful for. Yes. Yeah. And you're a young mother. Young mother. I was 30 when I was diagnosed. My daughter was almost three. So we were just living our lives, enjoying our toddler, and that diagnosis kind of took the breath out of us yeah out of nowhere out of nowhere and and much like everyone right you remember that day Mm -hmm. um and and all of that yeah but um as i said i remember pam when when maddie first came um you came uh with a a friend of yours yes keith Keith, who's a family friend knew my sister really well they um they knew each other from amarillo when my sister had graduated high Mm -hmm. school and moved in and um so they became really good friends and I was the annoying little sister who'd show up and bug them. And, <laughs> and so fast forward, you know, 10, 15 years, um, my sister reached out to him and because she knew he had been really involved with the survivorship mm-hmm. center and mm-hmm. he offered to take me on a private tour anytime I needed it. We knew that um, COVID was shutting a lot of things down and I needed a one-on-one kind of experience mm-hmm. and he w- y'all were able to provide that for me. Yeah. I think there was no one else here. Except there wasn't. Two of us. Yeah, it was just yeah. you and me. Yeah. You and me. And, and, oh, COVID. And, and Maddie and Keith. And mm-hmm. yeah, that was a weird, strange time that we never want to go back to. Never. But yeah, no, we obviously were super uh, glad to be accommodating for you for that. And um, I know that uh, you left here with something that you didn't intend to leave here with, which was which was really fun, too. That's right. So I didn't really know what to expect on my tour. And we were looking around and peeked into the wig room and Pam said, you want to take one home? And I said, absolutely. Can and I? I think that was, can I? And I was like, we had so Pam, much go fun. get her two yeah. wigs, three wigs, whatever. <laughs> and um, because that was towards the end of my chemo treatments, I think I had a few more left and I was just rocking my head scarves and happy mm-hmm. with that. And once I sat down in that chair, I was so excited to try on. And I picked a pastel pink wig out with bangs. One. Yeah, I remember that because <laughs> I think I asked, is this kind of what you're hearing? You were, no, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. And what was so fun about that. So I, I got the pink wig, surprised my daughter with it. She loved it. And I decided to wear it to my next chemo treatment. And a woman there looked at it and told me how awesome she thought it was. And I said, well, I got this at the survivorship center. Well, 
Fast forward a few weeks, she shows up with a pastel purple wig oh, that she that got, she got from us. <laughs> I remember that. Yes. Uh, she said, I think I'll go and get me a wig. And she picked a fun color too. So that was really neat. And that's such a cool story right there. I mean, of survivors helping other survivors mm-hmm. um, spreading the word about us. Yeah. And the other thing I find too is um, it's not always, things don't have to always be the way they were. So have have a moment of different, a moment of change, a moment of dare I say fun. That's right. With what you're going through, as you did. That's right. Um, I just remember seeing a video of your daughter for the first time seeing you mm-hmm. with your wig, and she's like, "Mommy, I love your hair." Yes. And it's yeah. just you know, oh, it's yeah. so heartwarming. And yeah. but um, it's it's an opportunity to really maybe throw a wrench into things. So the way I described it when I was doing that interview for y'all's hair care campaign mm-hmm. is that. With a cancer diagnosis, you are immediately changed from the inside out. Your perspective changes, who you are as a person changes. And so what I wanted to encourage people when they go and look at a wig and try on wigs, just kind of frame it as the new you gets to try a new look for a while and make it a fun, a fun experience. It doesn't have to be sad or, um, I mean, you're entitled to feel whatever emotions you want to feel while you're trying on wigs, but I just chose to have fun with it. Yeah. We did. We had a a fun moment (laughs) in there and we have some pretty cool wigs in there. There are. Thanks to our, um, donors. Yes. Um, Maddie, so what is something that you've learned through your cancer journey that you would like to share with other survivors? Wow. Well, like I said, I've um, learned so much about what kind of person I want to be in life, what kind of um, mom I want to be, what kind of um, employee I want to be to United Way. I've, I've just um, learned about what I can handle, um, something that um, a quote that carried me through one of the quotes that carried me through was, um, cancer gives you the perseverance for anything and the patience for nothing. Mm. And, um, wow. (laughs) Wait a minute. The, the perseverance, perseverance for anything, anything, patience for nothing. nothing. That's right. And so, um, it kind of forces you to purge those things in your life that, um, don't Mm -hmm. benefit you or the life you want. And so, um, that's what I'm thankful for that I, that I learned through the cancer journey is uh, that perseverance and purging those things that, that don't matter and shouldn't take up time in your life. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That seems to be a common thread, Pam, that we've heard anytime we talk to survivors, you know, it's whether they say it as it, it changed my life and I, I simplified things or I, I really learned what was most important. I mean, it's kind of that perspective. Perspective. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's very similar across the board. And I think probably a lot of our listeners maybe are saying, yep, I've been there. Yep. I'm there. I understand it. So again, that's one of those things I bring up to say, you are not alone in this. And the way you're feeling is not unique just to you. You are special, but you're not that special. That's right. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> right. Oh, gosh. Okay. So let's talk about this. Um, there's probably been many, but one resource that you could kind of put your finger on that said, you know, that really helped me during cancer. Yes. So um, COVID, we know things had shut down and I'm a real follower. So when my doctor said, you be careful, you do not go out, you know, you mm-hmm. hunker down. And I did. The only social interaction I had was doctor's appointments to go get chemo. So I did not go to the grocery store. I did not pop into anywhere. Um, I stayed home. And actually, I think coming to try on a wig was the first outing I had taken. I think I I told y'all that. You did. I was going to say, I remember you saying that. And I thought, 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that was my first outing, um, in months, months and months. And so I didn't have many resources from the survivorship center in that, in that mm-hmm. journey through chemo. Um, I did have a lot of friends and family who porch dropped food sure. and would check up on me. Um, but even friends and family, I, I couldn't hug, I couldn't kiss, I couldn't touch. So that was really hard. And so, but I, I was in survival mode and I got through it. But I do want to say a resource that I used just a, gosh, maybe a month ago, is I reached out to Pam. I said, you know, I was in survivor mode for so long that I'm tired and my mental health I, I need some help. Mm-hmm. And within 15, 20 minutes, she emailed me back with a counselor's name and number. Yeah. And so I called, got in, she's wonderful and I'm seeing her on a regular basis. Yeah. So it's not just what the resource was while I was mm-hmm. going through it, but what was the resource I needed after I was out of survival sure. mode and y'all stepped in and oh. filled that gap. You know, oftentimes we think it's whenever you're first mm-hmm. diagnosed that you need more people then, but it's as we've learned that it's yes. after, after that, um, wow. sometimes that survivors are lost and they need just help. And, and it varies. It some, varies, yeah. it, some people are, you know, some, some, some say early on, I'm mm-hmm. done. I'm, I'm not talking about cancer anymore. And they turn the page and I just applaud you for recognizing, cause that's some of the things that we've learned and talked about through our podcast is, um, the need for mental health and the need yeah. for, um, kind of really breaking that stigma of it's okay to ask for help. Yes, absolutely. And um, I was in y'all's fashion show that mm-hmm. Get Fit put on for y'all. And um, just being in that room with survivors, we spent most of the time huddled up crying together. And we had all been through it. Most mm-hmm. of us were out of it. And we still needed that connection and to talk. And um, so just the fact that y'all work with counselors to, to help us after treatment, when we still have all these emotions, do I want to approach life as a cancer survivor from now on, or do I want to wipe it clean and it's like it never happened? It's, sure. You have to navigate how you want to spend your life after survivorship. Yeah. So wow. It's so unique to be part of that cancer community that nobody really wants to be part of, mm-hmm. but it's such an awesome community to be part of. It is. And... Uh, it's, I feel privileged to be able to be a part from an outsider mm-hmm. and as you are, Pam, neither of us are cancer survivors, right. um, being a part of it from the outside looking in, but being able to kind of, um, almost be that air traffic controller in the flag guy on the, on the, <laughs> on the tarmac, way, well. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't know if that's a good description or not, but some days I feel like that. And it's a great feeling to be able to, I guess, land the plane, right? That's right. That is right. <laughs> So Maddie, whenever, um, oftentimes we hear of, um, things that we shouldn't say to survivors or things that people, um, say that are hurt. What is wow. one thing that when you were first diagnosed that someone said to you that really made a difference? Positive or maybe even, yeah, or I was gonna say, or maybe even, Can, yes. Um, I, I would love to touch on the negative just yeah. because I know when, when people offer comfort, so many times their intentions are, are just so pure, but what comes out, it, it's just, it's not landing like they mm-hmm. think it is. So one of the most hurtful things I got was the, um, oh, thank God you got the curable cancer. You got the good one. You got the good one. <laughs> yes. You got the good cancer. Yeah. They're, n- they're not good. No, they're not good. None of them are good. Um, I wasn't thankful. I had, I, I was grateful that it was curable. I was not thankful. I, I had right. it. 
Um, so that one, um, so if you're a, a caregiver or someone who just found out that, um, that someone you love is diagnosed regardless of stage or how curable it is, they, they're all terrible and yes. we are not lucky to have one over the other. Um, so that, that also something that I just got tired of hearing was how strong I was, how resilient I was. Mm-hmm. Um, because after a while, it's like, I, I don't feel I don't, it. Yeah. I, I don't feel it. I feel weak. I, I'm tired. I cry every night in the shower. I don't feel strong. And I was tired of people telling me how well I was taking a punch. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't need to be reminded. You know, I'm, I'm getting beat up and, and I know I am. Um, I was appreciative, but after a while, you just want to feel, you want to feel soft. You want to, you know, you yeah. don't want to feel like a rock. And, and so, yeah, those were two unhelpful, a few positive things that I heard <laughs> yeah. bringing it back to positive is me and my family had a motto that we came up with, I think even before I started my first chemo and that was strength for the day. So it, it was to get out of our heads. It was to bring us back from thinking about the days or the weeks or the mm-hmm. next procedure, the next test. And it was here and now ask God to provide what you need for this day and um, trusting that he would carry us through the day before us. And he did, he provided every time. And another really great thing, um, I actually went through a relapse scare right after I finished chemo, which thank God after a biopsy, everything was clear, but I went through a relapse scare. And when I was going through that scare, a family friend emailed me and she said something really beautiful that was, um, I wish I could climb this mountain for you. I can't do the climbing, but I can help you carry your stuff. Yeah. And I thought that was, um, I don't know, it just framed in a way that I, I do have to do it alone, but there are people who want to make it easier and lighter. Well, and that was my next question. I was going to say, is it okay if I ask a follow-up question to that mm-hmm. is, did you allow that friend to help carry your stuff? Oh yes. So she, <laughs> cause I know, <laughs> right? right. I mean, I mean, in all seriousness, yeah. I say, Hey, um, I could use some help and then about mm-hmm. something, whatever it is. And somebody offers, and I'm like, well, that's not really the way I wanted you to do it. Or that's not how, <laughs> right. so it's really not allowing someone to be blessed by doing that for you, but I'm glad right. you did. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, um, she never really even gave me a moment to ask for things. She lives far away, but she almost weekly was, she's a cancer survivor mm-hmm. and almost weekly was mailing me care packages and things she had sewn. And, um, yeah. she was wonderful. Every friend. And Do family you feel member. like those people that have gone through cancer in life that are your friends know the situation better? Absolutely. They get it. They get it. They get it. They get when you want to talk. They get when you don't. Mm-hmm. They get what you really need, um, what you're worried about. It, they, it just clicks better. Um, it's, the, it's the worst group. You know, it, yep. it's, just, it's not a fun group to be a part of. But the friendships, the relationships are the strongest you'll ever have. It's that group you never want to be a part of, but it's. It's a good group. It's a good group. Ultimately. Yes. That's kind of what we say, right? I mean, this is the, this is a place you don't ever want to have to come to is the cancer Mm -hmm. survivorship center. But if you do have to come here, there's so much that can help you, including meeting folks that have been there and done that and experience it and get it. Yes. So Maddie, I also know that you turned to journaling to help you. I did. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah. So, um, it was not anything that I was, um, taking too seriously. In fact, most of it was just in my notes app on my phone. I, my mom would say something inspirational. I'd jot it down or I'd, I'd see a quote that I liked and jot it down and, or what I was just feeling, Mm -hmm. what I wish I, you know, had, um, 
uh, been able to express to my doctors or, you know, things like situations like that. And so I kind of just compiled this list of my journey and, and what I was going through. And one of my friends approached me and told me that her friend had just been diagnosed with breast cancer. And I remember thinking, I wish I just had a pamphlet or just a packet to give her and say, here, here are some things that I learned. And so I kept thinking and I thought, well, I guess I could put something together. And so I started really forming a book and, Mm -hmm. and writing my experience down and some things you can ask your doctor on your first visit and what to expect with your port placement and chemo and things to help with side effects from chemo and turned it into this little book. And I named it Take the Tartar Sauce, which is a funny name, mm-hmm. but I would love to share that story on how I got yeah, it. Yeah, let's yeah. do it. Let's yeah. do it. So um, from the time I was little, my mom carried a tartar sauce packet in her purse. And I thought it was funny. We did not eat at seafood restaurants often, especially in the panhandle of Texas. Yeah. And so one day I asked her why she carried that tartar sauce packet. And she told me it reminded her of a quote And the quote is, um, whenever you are facing a difficult task, act as though it's impossible to fail. In other words, if you're going after Moby Dick, take along the tartar sauce. Mm. And that was just her little way of reminding her that she could get through anything. And I always remembered that for Mm -hmm. forever. And so when I um, was diagnosed and showed up to my first chemo, um, my mom handed me a tartar sauce packet. And I um, carried that with me through every appointment. I still have it. And so, um, so I just thought it'd be a great fun name for the book. And I explain it in the book, why I name it that and and what it means. And and we have copies of the book here. Yes. And um, in our resource library. library. So if you're listening and you go, oh, I need that. Or, oh, my neighbor needs that. My friend, my cousin, my whoever needs that. We have copies of it. Um, and we'd love to uh, be able to check that out to you. And, and of course we know how to get more, um, yes. through you. Yes. And, um, I do have an Instagram take the tartar sauce. Tartar is often misspelled. It is T A R T A R. Somehow you want to put an E in there. I would imagine. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's how most people have spelled it, but uh, take the tartar sauce on Instagram. You can order through, through that app and, um, it's donation based only. So I don't have a set price on it. And, 10% of proceeds from book sales go back to programs that benefit cancer survivors. The first donation I made was to the chemo cars program mm-hmm. through the Harrington cancer foundation. Yeah. And we're grateful for that donation. Absolutely. It blessed a lot of uh, survivors going through treatment. Yeah. And if you're real quick, I'm just going to throw out, if you're going what is chemo cars go back um, in our first series um, probably maybe episode three ish or so we did a whole episode on, um, chemo cars, which is an on demand ride system that believe it or not, we're the only place in the United States that offers that. And, um, to and from treatment, you can get a ride to the, um, uh, survivorship center. Uh, you, as I said, you can get a ride to and from treatment. It doesn't matter here in town if you're treated, you know, at one place or the other, uh, it'll take you to all those places. So it's a wonderful program and you'd be shocked at how many people don't have transportation to treatment. Yeah, so. I know, which we've, we, we've tried to fulfill that, mm-hmm. uh, fill that gap and make that happen. So mm-hmm. Maddie, thank you for sharing with us today. Thank you for having me. Is this there anything you'd like to leave our listeners with? Kind of a last little oh. nugget of some sort. How about, how are you doing? Oh yes, I'm doing great. Um, my health is great. 
I have my next scan November 22nd and um, that can be nerve wracking. You know, it's called scanxiety. Mm -hmm. So, um, but we get through it. And if that's clear, I'll have my next scan in May. And if that's clear, I get to wait a whole year between Yay. scans. So yeah. um, looking good, feeling good. Um, yeah, just doing great. Um, still in therapy, getting my, you know, mental health mm -hmm. back to where um, I want it to be. But overall, doing really good. And thank you all for everything you've done. Well, thank you. Thank you for being our guest welcome. and thank sharing you. your story. Yes. It was great. I had a great time. Thank you. Pam, our next survivor that we're going to visit with today is Adolfo Ocon. Adolfo, how are you, sir? I'm doing good, sir. How about yourself? Well, I'm doing good. Um, you know, I, I remember the first time Adolfo showed up on his motorcycle, uh, <laughs> and I thought, who's here? And yeah. uh, <laughs> I think you were coming to maybe get a massage or uh, check in for something, but that just always sticks out. We've, that's the only time I think I've ever seen anybody cruise up in the parking lot in, on, on a motorcycle. Yeah. Well, it's one of those things that um, I've ridden dirt bikes since I was a kid, and I've had a few motorcycles in my adult life. And uh, I bought that I bought that baby last year, last September, matter of fact, um, for my one-year anniversary after being diagnosed. Well, actually started chemo. I started chemo September 9th, uh, 2020, and... I bought that thing September 16th as my one year anniversary. Wow. That now that that is a really we've talked about that Pam before about celebrating milestones and No, it's usually with just a cake. Or I was going to say and it's usually what we say is go all eat, out and get a motorcycle. Eat the cake, eat the cupcake, eat the some but buy a motorcycle. <laughs> exactly. That yeah. cake. Might as well live it up. I mean, that's right. Know. Well, Adolfo, so, tell our listeners uh, the what type of cancer you were diagnosed with and when you were diagnosed. Um, I was diagnosed August seventh, twenty twenty, stage four colon cancer. Um, it did spread into my lymphatic system, so um, they did make me terminal with that. So um, I just tried to live my life to the fullest um, with every extent. Um, it, it's it's been kind of like a roller coaster ride. It has its ups and downs, but I try to stay positive with everything on that I uh, that I pretty much tackle. So, doesn't you know, matter. Getting, getting a diagnosis of uh, stage four is very difficult, um, but I don't want to even imagine or can't even imagine what it was like getting a diagnosis in a year where COVID yes. was hot, a hot topic. Exactly. And that, that's the that's the part that really got me because I had been feeling fatigued for quite a while and having some so I, I had a lot of symptoms and I just kept on putting it off, putting it off. And um, I was I was working on my master's at the time and I was staying up late working on, on my papers. And I, actually, I was working on my um, capstone project and um, I just thought I was fatigued from that. And um, when I study, I, I pretty much. I eat junk food. I, I, that's all I eat is junk food to stay awake and drink a lot of coffee. And and I just kept putting it off, putting it off. And then I just one day I just I couldn't tolerate the pain no more. And uh, my wife took me to the emergency room. And at first I thought it was appendicitis because, you know, when I palpated the area, it pretty much rebounded to my left upper quad. And so I just thought it was that. And well, when they did my CT, they said, well, 
It's not appendicitis, but we did find something and uh, they found a 3.5 centimeter mass in my ascending colon. And so um, they said I had a hairline of an opening left. And so they admitted me immediately and prepped me August 8th and then had surgery August 9th. And so it was pretty fast and furious. And when they told my wife and I, and we're both in the medical field, I'm a nurse and she's a respiratory therapist. And we're not a loss for words. Um, we're both good speakers and uh, very well educated. And when Dr. Turney told us exactly what they found, um, we were at a loss for words. So we just didn't know what to, we didn't, we didn't expect that. And so it hit us pretty hard. And, um, you know, the, ever since then, it's just been one of those things that I feel like I've tried to educate people. Um, I've been a guest speaker at WT Oncology course um, twice already, um, teaching the kids um, how to pretty much help people with cancer and how to um, understand what they're going through. Because as a nurse myself, back in the years, I remember taking care of cancer patients or even patients with chronic conditions. and if I knew now, then what I knew now, I, I think I would have been a little bit more compassionate about it. Because um, I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, in the healthcare profession, you get a lot of people that just come in for, you know, common colds or, you know, some of them are just in there just to get work, you know, just get out of work. And you never really know what to believe on a person when they come in. Because I work in the emergency room. And um, now I feel bad because some people actually were in pain and I just didn't believe them 100%. And uh, now that I deal with it, it's just one of those things that I feel I could have been a better nurse if I knew then what I know now. So. So I'm guessing that might be the answer to my next question. What is something that you've learned through your cancer journey that you can share with our um, survivors? The one thing that I did learn is do not neglect what your body's telling you. Um, it's one of those things that God gave us pain receptors, gave us feelings, and allows our body to talk to us. I mean, you get sick, you break, you get in a, you get a fever, you get body aches. Your body's talking to you. Yeah. And I've learned since then to listen to my body. Um, something's not right, or you know, I, I just pretty much um, if it goes longer than twenty four hours, I pretty much uh, tell Doctor Reddy, say, hey, something's not right, and he'll check it out for me. And since then, there's been a couple of episodes that, you know, I've, I've gotten pretty sick and uh, the, the chemo has, for instance, um, chemo depletes my um, iron levels pretty low, pretty low. And I've reached critical levels twice already that I've had to get um, iron infusion. And um, that's one of the things that I've learned because um, I was just getting real fatigued. And again, in the so he did the test and found out that my iron levels were critical levels. So that's one thing. Don't neglect your body. Don't neglect what your body's trying to tell you because um, it's there for a reason. So Sure, sure. And uh, something to point out too, Pam, like we've talked about on countless occasions is being your best advocate as a patient. You yeah. know, you do feel that or you sense that something's off is um, really kind of making sure that the healthcare team pays attention to you um and, and and digs in rather than than pushing that off I, and i know that you did i think that's important to to reiterate yes now, there are important important points here and um, one adolfo's a male 
and two, Adolfo's a nurse. Sometimes men and nurses are the worst patient, but no, no, no. I would say most times, not sometimes, Pam. Most times. Listening to your body and um, what great advice um, coming from a man and who happens to be a nurse. Very good. Yeah. Very. Well, good. it's funny that you say that, Pam, because my wife said the exact same thing: that I am a man and I'm stubborn, and I am a nurse, and I pretty much focus on taking care of other people than myself. So she nicknamed me Merce. Merce? <laughs> How yeah. Yeah. Also, uh, tell us uh, maybe a resource that has helped you the most during your cancer journey. 24 Hours in the Canyon has helped me tremendously. Um, I, like I said earlier, I was working on my master's degree and I graduated. I graduated my master's right before I was diagnosed and I had gotten, I, had off, I was offered a, a, a great job. Um, with Texas Tech, and I had accepted it, and then I got, everything happened. So I was angry. Um, I was angry because I worked so hard with my nursing degree, my master's, worked hard to get this job, and so I was very angry. And my wife kept telling me, hey, you know, I've heard about this group, you know, you need to call them, you need to call them, and I waited six months, and then uh, I finally reached out, and Maryville got back to me, and, you know, um, I, I do believe I broke down in tears when I was talking to Mary Bell because uh, it was just a lot of emotions, um, just a roller coaster of a ride. And she just gave me a lot of information. Um, I've, I've done massages with, with you guys. Um, I've gone to yoga. Um, there's a lot of resources that 24 Hours in the Canyon has that has helped me a lot. And to me, I push it a lot with other people that I know have got have had cancer or have cancer that need help. And um, I, I applaud you guys because it's a very it's a, it's a tremendous group that helps a lot of people that need it. And um, yeah. I don't think I don't think I would have gotten over my anger issues because you know it's like Pam said, I'm a man and I'm stubborn. I don't think I would have reached out to. Um, uh, actual counselor um, out here in the real world uh, because it's one of those things that I just, it's kind of embarrassing to me. But when Mary Bell was telling me everything and, you know, she said, you know, it just is pretty much all, you know, through here, you know, we don't have to worry about having to go out anywhere when we take care of everything here. That to me was very important because um, not that I, I really care about what, you know, anybody knows what's going on with me because you know I, I think it's very important that I educate everybody on that but there are some things that you know I try to keep face you know that I'm always in a positive attitude and just try to stay happy but deep down inside I was just very angry because I felt like everything was taken away from me yeah. I felt raw and um, Tiffany well, she was my counselor um, she helped me out tremendously and uh, it, it was funny because she waited we had three sessions and then on the fourth session she's like well you know after listening to you I've, I've kind of determined what's going on with you and she's like you have control issues like okay okay yeah yeah my wife tells me that all the time so <laughs> I, I want to have to actually own up to that and so I have I've owned up to it and I've learned how to try to figure out how to let go of a lot of things there are just some things you just can't um it, and you try it's just it's hard it's really hard 
um, growing up being the oldest in a Hispanic family, you're taught to, you know, you have to take care of the youngest and you have to help out with this and that. And so you learn how to control things at a, at a young age. Well, when you go into nursing school, they teach you how to control the situation, how to control the room, you know, how to put yourself in danger. So you're taught how to control things. So how do you let go of things that you've been taught to do all your life? And, uh, but I'm working on it. I really am. I'm working on it. And my wife, she seems to think that, you know, I'm doing better, um, but she still says I have a lot of work to do. So, (laughs) but. Well, I applaud you uh, for reaching out. I applaud you for um, yoga. I mean, we always talk about, you know, guys may be very hesitant to even think about trying yoga. And uh, I applaud you for doing it and also sharing it with our listeners. So it's not just a a ladies class. Nope. Um, It is it is for 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 both men and women. But um, it's we're always a work in progress, aren't we? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. The next thing I'm looking forward to is I want to try Tai Chi. And so because I saw that y'all offered that too. So that's next on my list. So there you go. Absolutely. So Adolfo, when you were first diagnosed, what was something someone said that was comforting to you? My surgeon, Dr. Obahari, um, after he removed the mass, um, you know, he, he told me he was, it's cancer. Um, he goes, it was, it was spread. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind. And he goes, but no matter what the outcome is, Adolfo, just remember, that God gave you the, he pretty much brought you to me and pretty much, you know, gave you an opportunity to get to know me and get to understand that you needed someone that was going to be, you know, positive with you and straightforward. And he flat out said, this is going to be a hard ride, but as long as you keep your faith, you'll be just fine. And, um, it's one of those things that I still try to remember, just try to keep my faith because uh, I, I like I have times kind of doubted faith at times. Um, but throughout this whole episode, since I got diagnosed, I've really, really kept my faith strong because um, I know that God increased my pain that day. And like he said, if I would have just gone, I was supposed to be going out of town. Hold on, out of town. It would have ruptured on me while I was out of town, and so pretty much keeping my faith, like you said, is what helped me. And every time I see him, he's like, "How's your faith? It's good. It's intact and it's strong." And so, and uh, I, I, I try. Um, you know, there's there's things in this world going on nowadays that people are afraid to, you know, mention God or to mention faith. And I feel sad about that because I believe that, you know, prayer helps and keeping your faith helps a lot. And um, I just wish that um, it would be brought back into the schools like it's supposed to be um, back into jobs and allowed to be spoken to publicly without people getting offended um, because it's very important. Everyone has a a faith of some sorts. And uh, I feel that, you know, you should be able to talk about it openly. And so, well, I think uh, Dr. Obahari was a very comforting voice for you at, at one of your deepest and darkest moments. And I know I can't um, I can't imagine how that was like uh, 
pressed upon you with indelible ink just to be um, that way. So, um, gosh, I applaud him and I applaud you as well. And uh, how are you doing today, Adolfo? Would you be able to share that with our listeners? I'm doing good. Um, I have chemo tomorrow. So one of my routines that I do two days prior to chemo, I start pushing a lot of fluids, try to keep myself hydrated, and I'll push a lot of vitamins. And um, I'll eat a lot of uh, a lot of greens just to get my, my body ready for the chemo because I'll, I'll get chemo Wednesday, Thursday and Friday. And so but uh, I feel really good today. So no issues, no problems. I'm just ready to tackle tomorrow. So. And I know for our listeners, they can't see you, but um, you definitely don't look like you have stage four. Um, just like our previous guests. So right. you never know what somebody's going through. Um, so like you said, uh, be kind to someone. Exactly. Uh, treat, them, treat them with compassion and listen to what they, um, their symptoms. Yeah, because you never know what's going on. That's, That's right. right. That's right. Adolfo, thank you for sharing with us today and our listeners. Um, your story is uh, one I know that... Um, there's a lot of takeaways from and a lot of uh, application. So uh, thank you for opening up and sharing with us today. No problem. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Thanks again. Uh, bye-bye. Pam, our next survivor on the podcast is Melissa Dunham. Uh, Melissa, how are you? Hi, I'm good. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for joining us on the podcast. We appreciate it. Um, let's just start kind of like we are at the beginning and say uh, what type of cancer and what year were you diagnosed? So I was um, diagnosed with breast cancer um, May of 2019. Okay. So I was early, early diagnosed with stage one. Um, and did breast cancer run in your family or it didn't. I had no family history. Um, I was young. <laughs> I, I was was told I was too young to have cancer. Sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, that and I'm sure that helped helped you make that put it put you at total ease, didn't it? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, can I ask what age you were when you were diagnosed? So I was 33. So um, almost 34. I I had uh, I had a double mastectomy the day before I turned 34. Uh, so happy birthday. Yeah. <laughs> so what prompted you to go obviously get a mammogram? Well, so it started in my twenties. Um, I had always done self breast exams. Um, and I had found a couple lumps before. So I had two previous lumpectomies. So I was pretty diligent about always checking, um, probably too much, <laughs> but I wanted to stay on top of it. And, um, one day I did an exam and I felt something a little different than the previous ones and immediately got it checked and it came back as cancer. So you are young and you have small children? At the time, I didn't have any children. Okay. Mm. Well, and I, I appreciate you sharing that because um, I wanted our listeners to hear that. I didn't know that, but I'm glad that, that you know you were on top of things. So again, that points, like we've said, you're going to think we're a broken record, but to the point of um, taking care of yourself, mm -hmm. doing those exams, doing your self checks, you know, being, you know, because what is it, 40? You're not even supposed to have technically supposed mm -hmm. to have your first mammogram until you're 40 unless yeah. you have history, which is why I ask if you had history in your family mm -hmm. because you'd be diagnosed so young. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, who knows? And diagnosed, thankfully, at stage one. Right. 
you, because you, you found this early. So note to everyone listening, pay attention to your body and get those checks and stay on top of it. Yes, absolutely. Talk to your doctor. Yes. Mm-hmm. So Melissa, um, what is something that you've learned through your cancer journey that you can share with other survivors? Um, you know, I think I've learned to give myself grace, um, especially going through treatment. Um, you know, I always told myself to be strong, be tough and, you know, kind of shield your emotions of everything you're going through, you know, but I think going through it and just learning, Hey, it's okay to not be okay. We like and that saying around here. It is. And it, would you say it's freeing a little bit to feel that, to, to recognize that and feel that and say, I'm going to give myself, I think our, our mayor in one of the conversations she had with us was um, give yourself permission to get naps. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So. <laughs> I always felt there was a time, um, you know, you asked me if I had young children mm-hmm. when I was diagnosed and I, I did. I'm sorry. <laughs> I had a, I had a two year old when I was diagnosed. Um, and so there was a lot of mom guilt, just letting myself rest and be in bed. And I felt like oh, I can't let her see me feel sick or I didn't want her to see or scare her or something. But, you know, she was the one that really helped me get through it. Like she was the strength I needed mm-hmm. and letting myself lay there, maybe not feeling good in bed, but letting her crawl up in bed and we'd color, mm-hmm. you know, um, or watch her favorite movie or something like that. But you probably watched a lot of Disney. We did <laughs> a lot of Mickey Mouse, Mickey Mouse. <laughs> but um, you know, yeah. Giving grace to yourself. And also it also really gave me more compassion for people. I've really got a heart for people that go through cancer, you know, especially breast cancer. Um, and I really try, if I know anybody that's being diagnosed, I really try to reach out and be there. And, yeah. you know, that's something I probably, I'm a pretty, um, a, a shy person, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not really out there. So it pushes me out of my comfort zone, but it's really something I feel called to, to do. So do you feel like that you can cl- click with those people instantly? I do. Mm-hmm. There's, there's definitely, um, something I didn't expect going through that. It's like when you meet people at the survivorship center and stuff, it's, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you feel at home immediately yeah. and it's something that you don't really understand until you go through it. That's right. It is. And it's, it's hard to explain. I, I know as you're, you're reaching for words, it's, you know, mm-hmm. but it is hard to explain, but there's it this is. bond and we tell people all the time, you know, you're going to, it, it's not like you're going to be singled out here. You're going to be, Welcome with open arms with people who understand and have been there hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yeah. Uh, is, was there something that helped you? You know, you talk about your, your daughter or your two year old. Mm-hmm. Is there something that a resource that helped you the most during your treatment? Yeah, honestly, it was, it was talking to a counselor here. I reached out to, I think it was Tiffany mm-hmm. and I spoke with her um, a few times during it. And then, even just a few months ago, um, we still keep in touch. So I think just having a counselor that you can really vent to, because sometimes I felt, I felt bad unloading 
uh, all of my emotions and everything I was feeling on my husband because he was going through this with me mm-hmm. and he had a lot to deal with. Sure. Um, so sometimes reaching out to somebody that's not in your immediate circle um, just helped because I already kind of sometimes I did feel like a burden, you know, because it's a lot. Mm-hmm. It's a lot on your whole family. So having that resource of somebody to call and be like, hey, I'm having a hard day. Like right. something, you know, something triggered me today where oh, yeah. I saw something, you know, sometimes commercials would trigger me or mm-hmm. just breast cancer awareness month would trigger me. Oh, um, so just having that resource of having a counselor to talk to was really helpful. Which is super important that we point that out, right, Pam, that we talk about mental health, we talk about um, resources. And I, I love what you said was that you talk to, it doesn't have to be our counselor, but you talk to our counselor mm-hmm. early on and then you went a while and then you reach back out. And that's kind of one of those unique things that we want to really emphasize is that we're always here. Mm-hmm. And um, I just love that about um, our counselor mm-hmm. that, um, and of course, um, it's it's a, an amazing resource that it just takes a phone call. Yes. So um, when you were first diagnosed, what was something that someone said to you that comforted you? Um, well, <laughs> I think one thing that has stuck with me, we had a good friend say, you know, this journey is going to be hard. It's, you're going to go through a lot, but you're going to look back and it's going to be just a little bump in your, in your story. Mm-hmm. And that kind of helped me thinking, okay, I'm, I'm getting through it. I'm getting through it. And before you knew it, it was a bump and I'd passed it and it's a big bump, but probably felt like a mountain. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. A a huge speed bump, but I climbed it and I did it and it's, it's a part of my story now. So, yeah. Uh, it's funny how sometimes someone says the right thing at the right time and I think that's kind of come out with some of our survivors we've just talked to on the podcast mm-hmm. that there's this, this, and it's the person they know, you know, it's remember every little piece and part of it. And there's something, there were probably a lot of things people, um, shared with you or said to you good and bad. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, the, the one that's I mean, there's one that always makes this kind of a really powerful, like tattooed on your heart. Mm-hmm. This is the one. Yeah. Cause I just kept thinking just, get to the other side of that bump. Like yeah. we can do it. And we did. Were there any things that someone said that you were like, Oh, that's not the right thing to say. Oh, I, you know, the one thing that was said to me more than once was, Hey, if you have to have cancer, this is the one to have. I, I laugh because that's, we hear that all the time. Oh, I'm like, no, yeah. there's not one to have. <laughs> no, no, they're not any of them. It's, you don't want any of them, <laughs> but that was never comforting. Yeah. So. Sometimes it's hard to find the perfect words and especially to our survivors. Um, you know, we just mean well, um, but just watch what you say to others. Right. Yeah. You never know what they're going through. Yeah. And if you don't know what to say, maybe it's best not to say anything. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here. We learned yeah. in one of our episodes is just being present, uh-huh. silent. You mm-hmm. don't have to say anything. Yeah, I'm here. 
I'm here. Right. If you need to unload, mm-hmm. I mean, those are the things. Um, and you know, they mean well most sure. of the time. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, uh, this is a good one to have. Yeah. Like, like you had a choice. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so how are you doing now? I'm, I'm doing very well. I'm, I'm made my three year mark and I'm healthy and feeling good. So I finally feel back to me. It's taken some time. Yeah. So do you celebrate those yearly marks? You know, I, I haven't done anything real big. Like uh, my family's like some flowers and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But I think I told my husband, I was like the five year we're, we're celebrating. We're doing like, something. <laughs> yeah. We're, yeah, we're doing something. Yeah. So well, we always talk about, you know, celebrations are important and those are big milestones. Um, at, at three years, you know, you have a, a longer increment of time before scans and mm-hmm. visits and it all gets, you know, further spaced out. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it's gotta, you gotta celebrate those milestones. Absolutely. Yeah, any way that you can, any way that you can, whether motorcycle it's motorcycle or yeah, cake. Yeah. <laughs> as, as one of our survivors was he bought a motorcycle, uh, you know, maybe it's as simple as having a cupcake or eating a cake or yeah. Maybe it's like going to Mexico or something. Hey, you know, that's my vote. <laughs> a good vacation. I don't know, but vacations seem to make a lot of milestones that much better. Mm-hmm. Well, if you can't make it to Mexico, make sure you come and join us on some of our mini vacations. Yes. Here. Yeah. You know, that, that brings up a good point, Pam. You know, we talk about some of our um, mental escapes and mini vacations and fun things we do. And I know you've taken part in lots of our classes. So Mm -hmm. that's a good reminder to our listeners that while, even while you're in treatment, if you need that mini mental escape, you've got a scan coming up, you've got a visit coming up, you know, be sure to look at our calendar and see all the things that we have, but there's always something on there that hopefully will help uh, take your mind off of it and put you at ease a little bit and, and really kind of make some of those speed bumps hopefully a little smoother mm-hmm. yeah absolutely well thank you melissa for sharing with us i know um anytime stories are shared and told uh survivors other survivors learn and i'm not the only one going through this or the only one mm-hmm. feeling the same way so we appreciate you coming on today yeah, thank you thank you for joining us for this episode of beyond the ribbon make sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast and follow us on social media for news and updates if you'd like more information about the 24 hours in the canyon cancer survivorship center please visit our website 24survivorship.org thanks again and we'll be back next week